0: Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. We're going to jump right into the Feast of Pentecost, and you're going to need your challah bread and your cheesecake. Also, I want to give you just a minute because another thing that they do in observance of this feast is um, coffee with creamer, which is my very favorite thing ever. Um, so we, we want you to grab your cheesecake, your hollow bread, and if you want some coffee with some good cream, get that too. And so we're going to jump right into our fourth feast. Okay, so we have Passover is representative of Jesus' death. Unleavened bread, burial. And remember, he did not have any sin, so he did not even begin decay. Um, And then first fruits would be the resurrection. So now we are moving ahead 50 days from the day after the Sabbath, which was on Nisan 15. So we're going to count 50 days out. And we have Pentecost is our number four feast. It is also a pilgrim feast. So do y'all remember what a pilgrim feast means? It means what students in the room there's a, a pilgrimage It meant that they had to make a pilgrimage and go to Jerusalem so we we were here and then 50 days later we got to come back to Jerusalem so let's jump right into the feast of Pentecost. In the Jewish observance, we've already said that. It's 50 days from uh, the 16th of Nisan. Names are very significant in the Jewish culture. Therefore, the feast of weeks, uh, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. You've you've heard of Shabbat. This is this feast is called Shabbat. That means weeks. It's called the Feast of Weeks because seven weeks were counted from first fruits until it was observed. It's called the Day of First Fruits because Shavuot was the day the first fruit offerings for the summer crops were brought to the temple. So here we are. We're entering into summer after Pentecost. This is a harvest season. So at Pentecost, this was recognized as a first fruit offering of this summer harvest so back here we had a first fruits offering of the grain harvest if you know jesus that's you you're a part of this harvest then we're coming to the first fruits of this summer harvest so it is often called the day of first fruits Shabbat was the first day of summer crops being brought to the temple and it's also called the feast of Harvest. Harvest reflected that the feast was the official beginning, beginning of the summer harvest. So we call it Pentecost, Shabbat, Feast of Weeks, the Day of First Fruits, or the Feast of Harvest. Again, it is a pilgrim feast. Interesting facts about Shabbat. So let's read Deuteronomy 16, starting in verse 9. You shall count seven weeks, begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand, which you shall give to the Lord your God who blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall remember that you are a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. So, one of the things that's precious about the feast of Pentecost is that you are to give a free will offering of praise to God based on how good you think he's been to you. And I know that many of us, there's no way that we could express how good the Lord has been to us. Um, three feasts were decreed by the Lord as solemn or pilgrim feast. So you can call them either pilgrim feast or a solemn feast. Um, this is the second of the two. So it's unleavened bread, Pentecost. No work was permitted. Permitted. So this is also a Sabbath, which I didn't write up here. A Shabbat also became associated with the commemoration of Moses receiving the law or the Ten Commandments from the Lord. It is customary for Jewish people to stay up all night on Shabbat, discussing scripture and eating dairy foods such as cheesecake and challah. So I, I like this food a lot better. This is my favorite. Um, But often they, they, they bake the challah in loaves. I know this is not what we were able to give you, but this is what a loaf of challah looks like. It looks like a tablet. That's what it's designed to look like. And oftentimes they will have two loaves, um, which represents the uh, two tablets that Moses would have received as the Ten Commandments in the Old Covenant, right? So that's why the Hall of Bread looks like this. It is to commemorate the tablets from the Ten Commandments. Um, okay, I'm going to read you a story. Acts 2 starting in verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Why would they have been all together in one place? Because it was a pilgrim feast. So there's a lot of Jewish people in Jerusalem. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And it divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, because it was a pilgrim feast. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it names all of the different people and all the different tongues. Um, and they're all able, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said they are filled with new wine. They're drunk. So, um, you'll remember that at Jesus ascension, this is in Acts chapter one. Um, it says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait there until they get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is this story. So uh, Pentecost is not called Pentecost because the Holy Spirit came. Pentecost is called Pentecost because we count 50 days from the previous feast. So when this story in Acts happened, the Feast of Pentecost was literally fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit came and God left it. Jesus gave us the gift of Holy Spirit as our comforter. Okay, so that is the feast that we're talking about now. Now, here is something that will absolutely blow your mind. The Bible says that 3,000 people, when this happened, the disciples are in the upper room. Now, I want you to also know this they're terrified. The disciples are locked in this upper room. Okay, they know Jesus, they've walked with Jesus. They watched Jesus do miracles. They watched Jesus be sacrificed and killed and buried and rise again. They also lived 40 days with Jesus after he rose from the dead. And before he ascended, it was 40 days. But he had to ascend before it got to 50, right? Because he sent in the Holy Spirit at 50. And the word says, until I go, I can't send you the greater gift, which is the Holy Spirit, Right? So we know that when this year, when this was fulfilled, Jesus died on 14. He was buried on 15. He rose on 16. And then he lived with them for about 40 days. So about 10 days before Pentecost, he tells them, now go to Jerusalem and wait. I'm going to send you some power. Are you going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes? So they're locked in the upper room, but they've experienced all of this with Jesus, and they are scared to death. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and they leave that upper room filled with so much power and passion. Something happened from the time that they went into that room to when they came out. Most of those disciples, all but one, died a martyr's death. So they go from being terrified and locking themselves in this room to being willing to die horrible deaths. I'm talking crucified upside down, dismembered, pulled apart. Um, One was skinned alive. They were martyred because of what happened in this upper room. And it was because the Holy Spirit came on them and gave them power, wisdom, and understanding. And it changed who they were. And it happened on the Feast of Pentecost. And it happened while they were in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. So they come out of that upper room and they are preaching the gospel. It says they are declaring the mighty works of God. Now, I don't know if they were speaking in tongues or if they were speaking in Galilean and people were hearing it in their native language. So this all, we all get really tied up when we start talking about the Holy Spirit and I don't believe people speak in tongues and I believe that they do. That isn't even what this story is about. This story is about people coming out, sharing the mighty works of God and people listening can hear it in their own native tongue so that they can make a decision. These are Jewish people that do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. And here comes these disciples and they are sharing the gospel with great passion and great enthusiasm, so much so that some people think they're drunk. And this is where Peter says, we're not drunk as you supposed. We're just filled right with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And they are witnessing for all their worth. And do you know how many people got saved in that one day? Jewish people got saved in one day, that day, Pentecost, 3,000 people accepted Jesus. Now, here is what is incredible. Now, I told you that um, this hologram and this feast, Pentecost, is associated with Moses getting the tablets of the Ten Commandments. So Moses goes up the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments, which is the Old Covenant, right? Which we do not have the power to live by the Old Covenant. That's why we needed Jesus, to come and forgive us and give us power, right? We do not have the power to just be good. That's something that I think we teach our kids all the time. Be good, be good, be good, make good choices. You don't have the capacity to be good if you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So Moses goes up, he gets the law that we can't live by, first our old covenant, and comes down. When he comes down with the old covenant, the tablets, the first time, what were the people doing? They were building a golden calf, right? And they come down and they are doing all kinds of immorality and going nuts. So Moses comes down. He's so frustrated. He breaks the tablets and everything. And and the Lord kills people that day. People die. Do you know how many people died? When the old covenant was delivered, I'll give you one guess. 3,000. Somebody said, How many? Um, many. <laughs> it was exactly the same. Exodus 32 28. Let's read that. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and that day about 3,000 men of the people fell, they died. So when the first covenant was delivered, the people were going crazy. They did not have the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 died. On Pentecost, Jesus has fulfilled the first covenant and given his Holy Spirit, giving you power. 3,000 people were saved. Acts 2.41 says, So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That is amazing that the Lord allowed us to see that picture. So my question is, have you ever heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I want to talk a little bit about what that is. And again, I think really simply, and so I'm going to describe this to you as simply as I know how. So the word tells us in Ephesians 1, 3, and and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So I want you to think about it like this. When you get saved, can y'all see this? Yeah, somebody might need to hold this. And you want to hold this still too. Okay, so when I get saved, the Holy Spirit is inside me, right? It's in me. The word says it is in me. All of the Holy Spirit, full Holy Spirit in me. And not only that, it says it's sealed. So once I accept Jesus and once I receive the bapt, or once I accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in me. That's what that scripture says in Ephesians 1.13. And he's not coming out. He doesn't break his deal. He bought you with a price. We've already talked about the gravity of the price that he paid for you. And as a gift to his bride, he gave the Holy Spirit in you. You got the full Holy Spirit and you have peace. Okay. So that is in you. That is the Holy Spirit. But uh, let's read Acts 19, 1 through 7. I'm going to need you again in a minute. Acts 19, 1 through 7. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Would you agree with me that to be a disciple, you have to be a believer? A disciple is a believer. So these men have accepted Jesus, Holy Spirit in them, sealed in, okay? And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. That's water baptism. I'm showing. I was buried with Christ and now raised to walk. Right? I repent telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, and that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So our verse in Ephesians says "The, the Holy Spirit in you. Our verse in Acts is saying the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So when I get saved, the Holy Spirit is in me. And there are times when I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on. Right? There's still water in me, even if the water is not on me. It's the same thing as I can drink water and I can take a shower and water comes on me. There are times in your life as a believer, I guarantee you, that you are standing in line at the grocery store and your heart nearly pounds out of your chest because you know you're supposed to say something to the person standing next to you. That is the, that is the Holy Spirit coming on you and giving you power and insight. Anytime you share the gospel with someone, That is the Holy Spirit coming on you and giving you power to do things in the name of Jesus. Now, I do believe that people speak in tongues. I do not believe that if you are afraid to speak in tongues, that that should be the hang-up that keeps you from receiving baptism and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need Christians to become powerful in their expression of the great things of God. And it happens when the Holy Spirit gives us power. That is all that it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it happens multiple times in your life. I have been in so many situations where I have to say, I don't know what I am doing. Holy Spirit, please come and give me power and wisdom and insight. And he comes. And even in those moments, I still have Holy Spirit in me. So it isn't about the speaking in tongues or the not speaking in tongues. It is about receiving power from Holy Spirit to do great things and to declare the mighty works of God. This, again, is this is one of those topics kind of like uh, prophecy um, that it's some people, it just seems a little. eh. But one thing that I don't understand is all believers believe that our Savior died with no sin. He was born of a virgin and he was in the grave for three days and then he rose from the grave. And that doesn't weird us out. But the thought of the Holy Spirit coming on us and baptizing us and giving us power, that just scares the snot out of us. And so half of us don't even want to talk about that. But I'm telling you that in the day and time we're living in, particularly now, we all need the power and the insight and the teaching and the counsel of Holy Spirit. And we need him to come on us in a greater and greater measure so that we can reach out to people that do not know Jesus. And that is the whole goal, is to bring everyone into the harvest. So um, the way that we're going to observe the last part of this, um, Deuteronomy 16.10 says, celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings that the Lord your God has given to you. So what I want you to do is have some of your challah um, and have your cheesecake and coffee with cream if you want to. I want you to sit down if your family's there and write down what are the blessings that the Lord has given you and your family and enjoy those sweet desserts and sweet bread and just share together about the goodness of God, particularly and specifically to you and your family. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gives podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygives.com.